Hey guys, welcome back to The Writer's Lens. This is Josh, J.C. Alfelto, and welcome to the lighter side of the J.C. Alfelto podcast endeavors. If you are not familiar with the darker side of the J.C. Alfelto podcast endeavors, you can check out The Narrative Wars, which can also be found however you found this podcast, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify or I think Stitcher, among others. You can find me pretty much just about anywhere uh, except for Google Play. Google Play seems to not be the greatest at finding people on the podcasting um uh, internet highways and byways. But either way, you found me. So welcome to the lighter side of those podcast endeavors. And today I'm going to be continuing the Hindsight is 2020 series, talking about popular franchises and books and films and giving a critique or so of things that, I guess in hindsight, maybe could have been done a bit better. Uh, so strap in. This one is about probably the one franchise that nobody is unfamiliar with, and that is capital S Star, capital W Wars, Yes, it's Star Wars. I'm J.C. Alfelto for The Writer's Lines. All right, so I totally realized that this one's long overdue. Uh, this episode's probably long overdue because uh, I don't think I've done an episode since early spring. It's It's been a minute, I should say. So as I will remind you to like, share, subscribe the content if you like it, um, share it with someone you know who would probably enjoy mulling over these kind of topics about storytelling and themes and concepts, uh, whether it's over a campfire or you're Zooming with someone if you're still uh, avoiding social contact because of the pandemic, that's uh, really up to you. <laughs> but either way, uh, be sure to share the content if you like it. So Let's just get into this here, continuing on hindsight, Star Wars. So Star Wars, created by George Lucas in the 70s, uh, needs little introduction today in 2021, mostly because if you've been someone not living under a rock or you know living inside of a closet, perhaps, or living at the bottom of the ocean for at least the last 30, 40 years, you probably have heard of Star Wars. You've probably heard of characters like Anakin Skywalker, aka Darth Vader. You've probably heard of Luke Skywalker. Princess Leia, uh, Han Solo, uh, you know Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2-D2, Yoda. I mean, these names are about as synonymous with at least Western culture as, say, the Pope or something, <laughs> or perhaps uh, back in his heyday, uh, you know, Nero or uh, Marcus Aurelius, one of the leaders in ancient Rome. So who know? Who knows? I mean, however you want to spin it. Uh, very popular characters, fictional as they are, still incredibly popular and influential in American culture, are the characters from Star Wars, and for good reason. Okay, Star Wars is this mythology based in a galaxy, you know, far, far away, a long time ago, and right then and there, it already kind of draws you in, like, ooh, what happened in a galaxy far, far away, you know, so long ago? Well, there was futuristic fighting, and there was this thing called the Force that seemed to bring everything together and connected everyone that was invisible, something spiritual perhaps. And there's this light side and there's this dark side and they're at war with each other and there's this thing called the Empire, right? And and it's led by a really scary, wrinkly old man who has the ability to shoot lightning bolts out of his fingers. But we didn't find that out until the last, until the last movie, at least in the original trilogy. Uh, and he has this right-hand guy uh, named Darth Vader who basically is like a walking uh, black-colored refrigerator. He's got all these buttons on him, and uh, or maybe toaster oven is a better... I'm not sure what would be the, a better appliance. But anyway, he's got this cool helmet, and it's been spoofed a million times over, but he's all in black, and he goes, oh, you know, and 
Uh, he's got a red lightsaber, and and Luke has this green one or blue one, and it's supposed to represent the you know the the battle between light and dark. And in the midst of all this, there are these aliens, and you can travel at light speed, and there's all these cool gadgets and characters and all kinds of stuff. And it was a massive, massive, massive success in the late '70s, early '80s. Star Wars was one of the first true mega franchises in Hollywood and cinema. Uh, I think the original Star Wars to this day still, if you adjust for inflation, is like one of the most successful films ever in the cinema. Uh, and it was done with little uh, 3D models uh, filming them. It wasn't even done with big budget CGI. And yet it still was an incredibly successful franchise. And as anybody will tell you that knows anything about storytelling, part of the reason why it did so well was not just because of the cool gadgets and the, the sort of the trippy special effects of the age, it's because it had a very personal story. It was about a, a, a young man who was having a coming-of-age tale, a.k.a. Luke Skywalker. Uh, he's sort of in love with this princess uh, who has this sort of bad boy guy, played by Harrison Ford, that comes into the mix and creates this sort of three-way sort of love triangle of sorts until you find out that you know, Luke and Leia are actually twins. And on top of all that, the Emperor's right-hand guy, who is Darth Vader, as you all know, Spoiler alert, is the father of Luke Skywalker. So it's a very personal, personal battle between light and dark because the, the dad is an evil warlord who has killed countless Jedi, and his son is an aspiring Jedi. So that makes for kind of an awkward family situation. So Star Wars has this great story. It has this really interesting spiritual undertone about the Force, and there's this tension of light and darkness in the world that we all kind of feel at some level being human beings. And so it's then thrust into this futuristic realm where normally when things would be talked about in the spiritual, you wouldn't have all this machinery and high-tech stuff. That usually gets left out. But this concept of Jedi Knights being in a world where, uh, like I said, machines and AI are supposed to kind of do all the, the legwork for us makes for an interesting dichotomy. So uh, Star Wars captured imaginations, and it's been with us. That being said, since its inception, if you will, since its release in 1977, which is older than me, uh, I can still say that, which is still older than me, uh, there have been countless, countless, perhaps, I mean, you probably could count them up at this point, countless spin-offs. There have been uh, several TV shows, comic books, fan-made fictions, uh, video games and books and all kinds of stuff alongside action figures. There was even a trading card game for a long time when I was uh, in junior high back in high school, back in the 90s, that was incredibly popular uh, when ca trading cards was still, was still a thing. That Star Wars, to me, has always felt like the most milked franchise that exists in Western culture. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, if you've never heard of Star Wars, you've been living under a rock, unfortunately, or you've been pretty much cut off from human civilization if you're living in the West. You know what Star Wars at least is, or have a concept of what it is, when you hear those two words used together. That being said, I'm not going to try and rewrite Star Wars in this episode. I'm not here to say, well, you know, I have great insight into the series, and I'm so smart, and I can tell everybody what's the best pathway for making the best Star Wars uh, film or series or whatever. That's not really the intent of this hindsight episode, but more so just kind of my observations of things that have seemed to, in hindsight, not gone so well. 
for this Lucas uh, made fantasy uh, or space opera. So let's just get right into it. In which case, so I usually have about five of these. So if you're if you're following along, this would be you know like the first one. Star Wars, like I said, has been milked. It's been saturated. It was it was bought by Disney a, a while back, which is kind of a, it seems to have been a bad decision. Perhaps who knows? <laughs> we'll get to that later. Uh, so many spinoffs. So many spinoffs of this franchise, and quite honestly, with so many different interpretations of the Clone Wars out there. Star Wars would probably have done better if there had not been so many spin-offs coming from this series. There are many, many, many iterations of, like I said, the Clone Wars, for instance. There was a Cartoon Network version of it. There was uh, a mainstream kind of canonized uh, Clone Wars that was done. There was a, a 3D cartoon that was done later on of the Clone Wars. I think there was a whole book series on the Clone Wars at one point. A comic series. There probably was a comic series at some point about it. The Clone Wars are like this three-year period where Anakin is essentially falling in love with uh, with the mother of Luke and Leia. I don't know why her name is. Padme is falling in love with Padme during this time period, and he's becoming darker and darker as war begins to make him more hardened as a Jedi Knight. And it's supposed to be kind of the lead-up to Revenge of the Sith, which is Episode 3, which is the episode where Anakin falls to the dark side completely and becomes Darth Vader. And that's what, you know, kickstarts the 1977 film A New Hope. But all of these spin-offs, to me, yes, it's created breadth to the series. It's created a lot of depth, even. It's made for a lot of different and interesting characters to come into the mix. But this whole thing with the spin-off is that it seems as though it doesn't always capture the same tone as the original trilogy. I mean, for instance, when uh, the Clone Wars was done by the creator of Dexter's Laboratory, and he had that, uh, and Samurai Jack, I, I, I always bought a butcher his name, and I, he's a fantastic creator, though. He did just did a series called Primal. Um, I think it's Tartakovsky is his last name. I'm not, I'm not sure how you pronounce it. You can look it up, though. But he did this series on the Clone Wars in the style of Samurai Jack, and it was really, really good. It was really cool. But was it Star Wars? Well, it was Star Wars on the sleeve, but did it feel like Star Wars? Yeah, I guess sometimes maybe. But it was done in the creative interpretation of Tartakovsky, who is a phenomenal creative in his own right, and he has his own style. So my only fear, I think, with Star Wars has always been this, is that some people will want to make it really dark, some people want to make it more, uh, make it a lighter story, some people will try to turn it into this sort of horror, if, if you will, in, in some way. Uh, I, I just, I'm always hesitant with franchises about what you're going to do with the tone and the atmosphere of the story, because if it's not the original atmosphere that made it popular, then what is it? What is it then? It's essentially a fan fiction with a completely different creative interpretation. And yes, it's fine. You know, I have my own fan fictions I want to write about popular franchises. But when you start just basically giving the franchise over to whomever shows up with a check in hand and says, we want to make our own iteration of Star Wars, uh, I find that uh, to be, I, I, I don't want to say, I would take caution with that if it was my stuff. If it was my baby, I'd take more caution with it. But hey... You know, we're in the, the business of making money. So less spinoffs, would, I think, would have been better for the entirety of Star Wars. Secondly, uh, to me, for Star Wars, let the Jedi have some love interests. I, 
this is probably something that totally kills the mythology of the story, and that what Lucas had intended for uh, for Luke Skywalker in the in the whole thing is that apparently the Jedi are supposed to be eunuchs. They're 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 not supposed to actually take a, a bride or a or a husband. You know, so if they're if they're you know a female version of something, there's like a so ah- Ahsoka. Oh man, I, I'm probably gonna botch all these names, guys. I'm sorry. So Ahsoka Tano from the from the other Clone Wars that was done, who was the sort of secret apprentice of uh, Anakin Skywalker. She's not supposed to have a love interest or anything. Nobody's supposed to have a love interest if you become a Jedi because the idea is that if you become someone that has a Jedi, who, who becomes a Jedi, if you have a love interest, it could get in the way of your training and you could lose your your way with the Force and you would lose your ability to, to use your Force powers and whatnot. And I just, to me... I, I wish that part of the mythology would have never existed because I, I get it. It makes for kind of an interesting sacrifice, uh, and I'm all about the, the sort of self-sacrifice that has to happen in, in movies and the themes they're in. But I really f- feel like with Star Wars, the concept of having a love interest and passing on to the next generation, having a child and becoming a parent, yes, that will get in the way of your Jedi training, but... I almost feel as though that would have made for a more interesting dynamic where uh, a character could have a love interest that is a Jedi and maybe ultimately going to the dark side is more than losing uh, a spouse. It's actually trying to eliminate competition for your spouse or for your love interest or or learning that there are certain feelings that will ultimately lead you to the dark side. Uh, So I, I think that could have opened up a can of worms, but... But I, I had always been interested in the Jedi at least having a love interest of some kind. Because if the Jedi are going to have love interest, then what about the Sith? I mean, are the Sith also forbidden? I mean, I've never seen, I guess, a Sith character in any of the any of the stories actually take on a spouse of some kind or have a love interest that they, they kept with. I guess not that anybody... I mean, I don't know if anyone actually finds Palpatine attractive. But, uh, but anyway... Yeah, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. So that would be one th- or another thing I, I think I, I would change personally if I, if I kind of had the power of the pen over this massive franchise. So that's number two. Number three for me is if you're going to make new stuff, speaking of spinoffs, if you're going to make new stuff, stop trying to rehash nostalgia. This was a major, major issue for me in uh, episodes seven through nine that came out. Uh, it actually made me not watch the rest of the of the trilogy, which I know sounds horrible. If you're a Star Wars fan, like, oh, how dare you not watch the rest of the, the trilogy? Well, I, you know, I just I lost interest after the first one because I just went, this is a new hope. But now Luke is a girl. And there's a few characters that are mishmashed in that are exactly the same as they were in the last one. Uh, Kylo Ren is basically Vader. He's got the mask and everything. He's dressed in black. He kills sort of his old mentor, which was his dad. Uh, Obi-Wan, you know, same thing. I'm sure if you're a Star Wars fan, you've heard all these analogies before. So I, I really kind of, it kind of lost for me this sense of, well, something's new has to happen, right? It's episode seven, you know, and if we're going to make new stuff, there has to be less of this play on nostalgia and, and sort of rehashing old ideas. And uh, The Mandalorian, from what I understand, is a really good show. It's got some good storylines in it. And it's a different take. It's about a bounty hunter um, and who's perusing the galaxy, uh, kind of in, you know, baddie of the week kind of style, 
or whatnot. And it's been very successful. And I think it's been successful because it's not trying too hard at being, uh, you know, exactly the nostalgia and, and trying to, to utilize too much of the old stuff. It's trying to be somewhat new and edgy in, in, in some sense. But when I say edgy, I don't mean killing the old atmosphere, keeping the atmosphere of Star Wars. So, so that's good. Um, but this whole idea of constantly sort of playing the same old tune and, oh, we're just going to throw Chewbacca in there so everyone can see him. Or we're going to throw in, you know, Yoda, and Yoda's somehow going to be part of this now uh, that I've seen happen in other fictions and things like that. I just think that's lazy. You know, I, I just find that to be very lazy from a storytelling standpoint. So uh, if, if, again, having the power of the pen over the entire Star Wars universe, which I wish I did have... <laughs> I, I, that's something that I, I would want to do is to stop rehashing all of the nostalgia, etc. So, so number four, um, to keep this thing rolling on, have a new threat to the galaxy. Have a new threat other than just Palpatine or the Sith or something or other. Uh, I know that some of the books did this. Uh, there was the, uh, the alien race that came in from another galaxy that was unaffected by the Force. I thought that was a really cool idea. Uh, have something other than a, a, a massive galactic empire trying to take over all the planets. Maybe make it a more personal story. Make it a planet that's in dire need of being freed from the Federation or something like that. Or uh, another war-torn family of some kind. Or maybe a, a, you know, a soldier in the old armies of the galactic empire trying to rebuild the empire and he ends up getting stopped. Maybe from the perspective of him and maybe he becomes a Jedi. Maybe it's an anti-hero who becomes a hero or something like that. Some kind of new threat... If you're going to make the new films, if you're going to make new stuff for Star Wars, have a new threat. And this leads into my number one, which is actually my number five, which is redo episode seven through nine. Please do redo it. <laughs> Please redo episode seven through nine. Uh, in one of my previous interviews I actually did on the writer's lens about a year and a half ago or so, maybe before the pandemic, I was talking with a gentleman um, about Star Wars and about the next movie that was coming out. And we were kind of hashing a little bit about what was going to happen. I was still interested. I was still invested in Star Wars. Uh, but uh, we were discussing a little bit of what we thought was going to happen. And I could tell he was a Star Wars fan. And I'm I, I'm a moderate fan at that because of what's been going on with, these, <laughs> with the last trilogy. But I, I zoned out. I just I basically zoned out after, this, after number seven because I thought there's nothing new here. There's nothing new for me to get excited about. Um, it feels just like episode four. And if that's the route they're going to take, and if that's what they're going to do with the story, I'm not interested in seeing where this goes. I'm just I'm just not. I'm just not interested in it. And if they're going to redo episode seven through nine. Now, I like the idea of, uh, of the main character maybe being a descendant of Palpatine instead of the Skywalker line. I thought that was, that was kind of cool. You know, having Rey be uh, related to Palpatine, where she she's very Force-sensitive, kind of like what Luke was when he was the son of Anakin. Uh, it's an interesting idea, but that needs to be exposed a lot earlier in the trilogy. There, there needed to be something a lot sooner than that. And it, yeah, it kept the mystery open for a lot of fans, but I think that the reveal ultimately kind of fell a little bit flat. I don't think it ended up being as big a deal as people were hoping for. In fact, if anything, it was kind of like, oh, okay, well, that's not exactly what we thought, but okay, you know, whatever. Uh, that, to me, is something that needed to change. And that's, again, getting back to episode seven through nine. 
uh, having a new story that would continue Luke's story or would go beyond Luke's story. Maybe Luke has a love interest like Mara Jade and ends up having kids and it follows those children. That would be kind of cool. Uh, or maybe you follow the storyline, like I said, of an anti-hero, a guy who fled uh, from the Galactic Empire, and he was a former stormtrooper, and he's trying to rebuild the Empire, but then he ends up becoming a good guy, and maybe he discovers uh, the Force Spirit of Anakin out in the wilderness, and he ends up training as a Jedi with the Force Spirit of Anakin, who's trying to make amends by turning this guy into a Jedi, and he's he's fighting to become a Sith. Uh, who knows? I mean, there's there's so many different angles that you could do with episodes seven through nine. And I'm, I was very saddened by the fact that they went with, with, with something just, just so kind of uninspired, <laughs> I guess it's the way to put it. <laughs> I mean, because the force awakens is literally just like new hope. Like I said, only there's some gender swapping going on and there's uh, a slightly larger, more uh, devious planet destroying device, which can literally eradicate whole planets multiple uh, multiple times over rather than just the Death Star eliminating one at a time and moving very slowly throughout the galaxy. Uh, yeah, I just... Just because you up the ante and the intensity of what it is that's in the story, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that people are going to be more wowed by it. Um, it's If anything, it's just kind of like, oh, that's the Star Killer, and that's basically the Death Star. I'm not really sure... <laughs> I'm not really sure if I think this is that cool idea. But... Hopefully by now you've 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 kind of landed on on my point in all this and and maybe a new ragtag group of people maybe if we maybe they get a baby uh, you know rancor or something like that that they're raising up and the rancor eventually becomes a good guy or <laughs> ends up becoming part of the good guys or something I don't know uh, you know just just there's so much to experiment with. And uh, I think that some of the more recent Star Wars stuff has been doing it outside of the main canon of the story. Like I said, The Mandalorian and, of course, you know, Rogue One was a, was a fantastic movie. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to be done with the franchise. And I would hate for it to just kind of, kind of run off into the horizon and not, and not be utilized to its full extent. Um, and just, just basically try to survive on nostalgia alone, you know, uh, going back to my third point about nostalgia, when the, you know, the X-Wings showed up in Force Awakens, I just went, okay, why are they here? Okay, the, maybe they just never built better X-Wings after the Empire was destroyed. It's just kind of weird to me. <laughs> just, I just don't understand why they didn't get rid of them. Or maybe they, they just never thought to build better ones, or maybe they never built better ones. I don't know. But that's just, just part of the whole, the whole thing that just seems kind of strange to me. But anyway, uh, so that's, my episode, my five points on hindsight is 2024 Star Wars. And if you enjoyed this rant about your favorite franchise of all time, like I said, like, share, subscribe, share it with some friends and, and just have a ball talking about all the things that you disagree with on me uh, or with me on this topic. Uh, just have at it in which, <laughs> just have at it in which case. So until next time, guys, I will be doing another hindsight is 2020 episode here on the writer's lens. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to check in regularly. Uh, new website is coming. Um, a little bit of a snafu uh, with a little bit of the hosting issues, but I will have a new website up and running by the summer, and I'm looking forward to launching that with you guys as well. So until next time, this is JCL Felto for The Writer's Lens. Mm-hmm.